Welcome to episode 596 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 596 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, the boys have had their Christmas haircuts. They have indeed. Where'd you, where'd you get your haircut? Just my local, Cheeky Browns. Where's that? It's just around the corner. What, was it by the by oh, father? But yes. Oh. There you go. What do you pay for a haircut? Me and Tom go together. It's 50 bucks for two of us. Oh, that's pretty good. Mm. I think I paid 40 for mine. Shafted. Shafted, I could have had two e cuts. Exactly. Our talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few Jombo. Nate the Gap Fillers. Ah, we've got Andy Puff Phillips. And Mr. P. Adam Waite. Nice. What? No, why Mr. P? Don't know. Because no, it's a bad drug, P. So, mm. <laughs> I don't think that was the line we went down. But anyway, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. We've got an interview with the geek, Thorsten Rad. And we've got a wanger of the week. And I think I've, I put a question in the end there. Well, not a question, but just a comment. But John, a couple of little things before we get into the news. First of all, Legends is back. It is. This is my Christmas present to everybody because I've been getting agitated all year long by not being able to line up interviews. And we obviously had a bit on in the middle of the year, but I just kept bombing out i was getting really frustrated because i'd get a reply from someone thing we're sweet yep. lined up full flat same would happen again another month had passed have you had things on and finally it's back and it's a goodie and we so we just got we've got hunter kemper and we've just finished the interview now and he's a great interview isn't he really good speaker yeah and fantastic athlete so maybe of course he doesn't have the for those who don't know yeah tell tell the story really consistent performer on the itu circuit top american for God knows, basically since about 98 or so, he's either been number one, very much for a large part of his career, really carrying the flag for the States because there just wasn't any guys coming through. So he ended up being a world number one athlete, but his ITU statistics are just awesome. He was just a real consistent performer in terms of being there or thereabouts all the way through. Went to four Olympics and got pretty close to going to a fifth Olympics. Won the world championship. Yeah, and he didn't win a world championship, but one the world series was such. the world number one. But one thing we didn't really discuss in great detail, but also had a very, very strong domestic career in the states. You know, winning seven national titles and winning a lot of big races in America. So um, you win Alcatraz? Yeah. Uh, yes, he did. I think he either got first or second there, but he was there fairly consistently. So. Yeah. And a great, just, you know, we're quite lucky when you get, you know, just a really great interview. It's a really great interview. So I'm going to put that up today. So um, Legends of Triathlon, if you haven't subscribed, it's been a while. Our last one was Chrissy, so it's a pretty good legend as well. But if you love triathlon, and, and it's it's basically a show that's really important in the long term because we are getting to that point in triathlon where it's long enough now where, sadly, we are losing some of the pioneers mm. of the sport. And like Jack Gallagher, we you know mm-hmm. she passed away last year. Was it this year? Uh, it was a couple of years a ago. Of years, you know, we had a great interview of her. So you know, these types of interviews are really important. If you, especially if you're new to triathlon, you go back and listen to Legends, which is just a great way to learn your history around the sport. So check that out, Legends of Triathlon. Really going to try to focus on getting a, make it bi-monthly next year. So every two months we'll try to nice, get one out. Nice. Uh, and also we are now on Spotify. What is that, Devin? So, well, Spotify is. <laughs> You don't know what Spotify I is. I kind of do, but I've never used it. So I imagine there's a lot of other people that haven't either. 
I think you're probably the one, the only who don't, or at least know of it. So Spotify is a music streaming service, John, and you pay about 12 bucks a month. See, that, that's why I'm not on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have a payment, my ears just got blocked. But it's brilliant because you basically, every song ever is pretty much on there. Mm-hmm. You pay, basically it's costing 150 bucks a year for all music. Mm-hmm. So, but they also have a free version, um, which does have ads, um, but a lot less than radio, so it's still better than radio. Um, so, I've it's actually, gonna, so it's going to stream the podcast as opposed to downloading. So if you've got the Spotify app, they've really tried to push podcasts recently. Um, so if you've got the Spotify app, you can just look up I Am Talk and our Spotify uh, our podcast is on there. Right. Also, the Bev and James Island show is on there as well. So <laughs> yes. if you want to check out that one as well. So Spotify, yep. If you are on Spotify and you maybe on an Android, uh, Android don't seem to be so good with podcasts, I don't think. Although I don't know because I'm on a Mac. But, you know, it's a good way to get the podcast if you, you know, if you've got Spotify. Anyway, John, let's get into the news. Pro racing is done for 2017, so there's no upcoming results or upcoming events. But one thing we did get announced this week is that Challenge are heading back to the US. And it was interesting reading the PR release that they kind of acknowledged that they hadn't really cracked the US. And so they needed a different angle, and they've nailed it with this one, haven't they, John? Well, they have. So, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, it is another race, half-distance race, but it's got a nice little tweak to it. It's being held in Daytona, so you guys all know about Daytona for the car racing track and it's, it's held right there at the track uh, you don't ride multiple laps but you do ride, run, uh, ride a lap I think there's beginning. five laps uh, well, I think you ride a lap at the beginning, and then I'm, I'm pretty sure you might be running around it, uh, and the swim is in the lake that's that's next to it. So, cool concept. The other, I mean, the interesting things here are the timing. Um, it's in mid-December, because it's down in Florida, so it's bloody hot there, not many races nice. in the middle of the season. Yep. But again, then that kind of, um, you know, a lot of people are done and dusted with their season by that stage, so I guess you're trying to pitch it as a... Out end of, of the season year. race, end of year sort of party. I think that's how they pitched it in their mm. PR. So it was kind of like, this is your end of the year event. Mm. Um, and and then I guess the, yeah, the other angle is it's a challenge trying to, to go back into the States, which is an interesting one to see if they can actually crack it and whether, whether there is any pushback from Ironman um, like there has been in the past. So good to see. Good timing for people that do want to um, carry on with their season and uh, it looks like a cool venue. And they are putting on multi-races, so they're going to have like the runs, the relays and all mm. that type of thing. So it looks like, based on what I see here, is that Daytona has almost like a lake in it. I know, it looks right, ne- right next to it. Yeah, I don't know if it's inside or it's next well, to it. Look, it's inside yeah. it. It looks yeah. inside it. Yeah. It's, it's out of it, isn't it? Which... It seems bizarre that it hasn't been utilised. It seems like, yeah, like it seems like an ideal location to put a triathlon in. Yeah. But I suppose maybe it just gets used so much. Like it's obviously a, a Vince venue. Yeah, I, I watched the movie. Um, what was it called? Um, it was about basically it was a crime movie where, where they did it around not Daytona but some big racing event. And I was saying that these these venues are so massive that people buy houses that live in the venues. All <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like like the the venues basically a town. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they make just as much money as like a town would make one of these mm. venues. And yeah, people have homes that are based oh. inside the venues, <laughs> so they can do a triathlon one weekend next year as well. So I, I really hope it goes well. You know, it's good for this sport in America to have a bit of competition. Um, I know we've got like the Rev 3s and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but more, you know, good to see Challenge have another crack at America. Team BMC has been going for 10 years, John. Yeah, I just wanted to bring this up. It's a fairly small story, but they're now called uh, Team BMC uh, VFIT Sport Pro so it was Triathlon you, what Team. Was it? it was U Place at yeah, one stage, right, yeah. uh, and there was uh, there was something else along the, the way as well. But it's a really strong lineup when you look at the guys in, in the team, and it's been going for 10 years, and so they must be getting 
good exposure for their sponsors if they're they're carrying mm. on. So it's just good to good to see. Um, in terms of uh, the lineup for next year, they got Bart Arnotts. You know, he won Challenge Rote this year. Um, won Ironman Lanzarote three times, top ten in Kona. So really, you know, one of the top dogs in the sport. Liz Blatchford, uh, Will Clark, uh, Morris Clavel. He finished uh, third at Challenge Rote this year. Does well at the seventy point three distance. Uh, first time they've had an American. They've got Chris Lieferman in there, or Lieferman. He won uh, Ironman Tromblanc last year. Patrick Nielsen, his name comes up a lot with uh, Torsten's try ratings. He's got two sub eight hour performances in 2016, and he won uh, Ironman Copenhagen and Barcelona as well. Uh, Emma Pallant, who is the was the second in the world's 70.3 this year, and Ronnie Schildnick, who is the king of Switzerland, with 11 victories there, and fourth he's had a fourth place in Kona as well. So, uh, yeah, so good to see him carrying on, and, and there's not that many sort of teams that are still I wonder what the there. longest running team has ever been. This would be up there, wouldn't it? Definitely think so. Timex was big for a while, wasn't it? Mm. Timex had a big team. They've still got a sort of a more of an age group team. Yeah, but but it was a pro team for a while, wasn't it? Uh, I'll go out on a limb. I reckon this will be the longest standing team. All the other ones have come and gone in three to five years, I would estimate. Team TBB? They were mm. for a few years, weren't they? they, were. they would, Slightly different structure. Yeah. Um, okay, John's ITU update. It looks like we're going to be having some more Rix relays next year, John. We are indeed. So the, the campaign to build towards the Olympics has begun. And, and with that, you know, you, you obviously the individual athletes have to qualify for the Olympics. And you'll hear about Hunter Kemper talking about that in Legends of Triathlon. But also countries have to qualify their teams now that the mixed relay mm. is going to be added. So it's going to be... It's um, going to be pretty hard to qualify if there's only three races. Yes, but I mean, I, I don't know how many countries or how many teams they'll have... Uh, at the Olympics or not, I, I'm picking. They probably have about, I don't know, 15 or something. I guess the question might be is whether you can have an A and a B team um, and things like that. Because you know, if you think about, say, Spain, maybe they could potentially, or America, or, or Australia. UK, or Australia, they could potentially spend send two teams. I'd be surprised if that happened. I'm pretty sure you'd only be allowed to have one team. Um, but you know, it's probably more important for those lower nations. And it's just another thing to throw in the calendar, though, in terms of trying to get the top athletes, the big name athletes racing these events, is going to be a real challenge. So, Jesus, it's got to be a hard race. Imagine doing three hundred meter swim, a six point six k bike, and a one point six k run. Yes. That is balls out. Yeah, that is <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. So it's going to be they're going to have a round in Nottingham at the World Triathlon Series race there, and then also one in Edmonton and Hamburg is where they've traditionally had it in the past. Uh, you've got to think about also athlete welfare in terms of if they are doubling up races. So in Hamburg they have a sprint distance race, mm. and then they have this as well. Uh, it's it's tough on athletes to do two races in in two days, especially if, especially this. You know, like this is a higher level of intensity. You know, these guys are peak athletes. You know, they're pretty phenomenal people. But, yeah. you know, to, to to have a, you know, an Olympic distance where you've smashed yourself and then turn up the next day and try to top effort, you know, what, how long is that going to take them? Maybe oh, not not long at all. But also it would be interesting to see if athletes specialise because you had like Ben Canute who sort of said he's trying to specialise in this distance and uh, trying to make it to the Olympics knowing that, it's potentially a, a chance for a medal. Um, it's a harder chance when you haven't got Gwen Jorgensen on your team. Mm. But uh, he's sort of focused on, on that, knowing that 
for him to get a medal in as an individual was going to be a real challenge. So, yeah, we might see some you know, younger athletes coming through that have just got that electric speed. So I think it's just a, a watch this space. In terms of um, for an age group participants, you know, I've had people ask me, oh, why don't you put on a mixed relay? Uh, for an age group and it's like can you imagine trying to organize age group athletes to do a team for one thing actually mm. turning up to do a standalone event is another thing mm. and then you've got to get enough people to commit to it to actually pay for all the the costs um, associated with doing an event where you would need road closure because you'd have to have it as draft legal uh, i suppose you wouldn't have to but um yeah interesting space ahead good for sport Oh, absolutely, you know, good for federations as well because now we've got a chance of getting another medal and ultimately for a lot of federations like New Zealand, you know, when you're pinning your hopes on one medal and you've got, say, Andrea Hewitt and that's about it, it's a real challenge, um, but when you've got two cracks at it... But do we have a crack at this? For, for New Zealand, not really at the moment, okay. but for other countries it might be slightly different, you know, where, where maybe you've got lots of... Guys that are, you know, Brownlee's take out two medals and the Spanish take out the other one, then maybe these are guys that are finishing fourth, fifth, and sixth. It gives them a, a hope of going, we might get a medal via the team and then we get more funding. As a, as a casual lover of the sport, of ITU at least, I don't really follow it that much, mm. um, and the, the kind of the boredom of the last Olympics, I'm way more excited about watching this race based mm. on what I saw in the Commonwealth Games a couple of years ago when they were in was it Scotland or yep. Manchester or something like that. Yeah. And um, Glasgow. Glasgow, yeah, when I saw this, the, to me that was such exciting racing mm. and it was really cool to watch. And, and then I think of the Olympics the last time and the lot, you know, the Olympic distance. And I was like, oh, I can see why it struggles to get TV coverage. Yeah, you're, you're, what do they call it? Dick, dick picker? <laughs> dick picker. <laughs> it's Devlin, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody dick pickers. Um, but, but, you know, like, <laughs> it's a really good thing for the sport. The reason they call them dick pickers is it was an all-black who posted a picture of his dick by mistake or something like that. There's always one. There's always one. Uh, so there we go. So that's pretty much the news for this week, guys. But what we did talk about is discussion of the week. Now, last week's discussion of the week was what was the moment of the year? And I kind of broadened it out because John wanted it very specific. And I said, John, we need more than two answers. So the question was, what has been the moment of the year? This can be your own or one you've enjoyed where you are watching someone else. It's not a performance, but a single moment in the sport that you thought was awesome. Uh, ben Boyd said, Holly Lawrence opening up and admitting how much pressure she was under after a great season in 2015. In 2016, this led to overtraining, which in turn led to an injury, then came to poor nutrition, bad diet. It's great to see that even the pros can get this wrong and how easy it is to fall into a sinkhole when things do not go your way. Respect for being transparent about the whole situation and trying to help others deal with this situation. Uh, Arnold Solovkov has got uh, around 170Ks into the bike course at Kona when I saw Sanders muscling his way through the run with Keenley behind of the Hoff and Linger. Um, found myself almost stopping wondering if the following of the unf- following the unfolding of the race wouldn't be a better idea and then personally decided to on the start line Ultraman second day to go solo TT in a 270K bike ride. Stephen Brown running out on the Queen K and seeing Jan Fredino coming back the other way, not having his day wanted, but still tracking along and encouraging us age groupers all class. Swanee Noah's got swimming my worst time by 10 minutes Ironman New Zealand 2017 as the lake was so rough. Made all that swim training worthwhile, closely followed by riding 15k slower into a headwind on the bike. 
Ben Psala, there can be no better single moment than the point Langer overtook Lionel on the Kona run, and for a few seconds, Lionel tried to with him. I was genuinely concerned he might pass out there and then. Pure determination and willpower. Uh, James Thomas has got sport watching Lionel Sanders muscle his way to the finish line. Pure guts. And he's got personally, finish line at rope was awesome. Uh, Ian Johnson getting lapped on the descent by Jan Fredino at Ironman Austria. He must have been going well over 100 kilometers an hour, twice what I was doing. Um, Nick Rose personally qualifying for Kona after all the hard work I put in in the sport watching Fredino complete Kona with a smile on his face and interacting with the crowd definitely that, that, people loved that didn't they they did yeah I know you're thinking I know John goes why wouldn't you but yeah. still yeah, yeah. you know a lot of people pack a sad yeah. you know Fredino definitely does seem like a pretty cool guy um, Marty Smith I appreciated the nurse that stopped to save a life and giving up wow. her, her dream of Kona that's, that's pretty massive. I don't know much of that story, no. but, but it's a pretty no. good one. Uh, Brian LaFerre's got Tim Don breaking the Ironman world record mm. <laughs> because it's WC. It does not count. Uh, Neil Hastings, the Brownleys, TTing their way away from everyone else in the Leeds ITU on the bike. That was pretty cool when they did basically a two-up TT and just rode away. That's pretty impressive. Mick Smith Simpson, Simpson's got not a professional moment. Hope uh, that's okay, but a volunteer. Outlaw my year. I volunteer. Uh, outlawed this year. My first try Ironman. Got out of the water fine and puncture still at the side of the lake. I'm not sure what that means. Try to sort it out. Oh, I must have punctured. Okay. Uh, tried to sort it out, but in my naivety, I had gotten a spear with a long, not a long enough valve. A marshal came to see if I was okay, and at this point, I'm about in tears, thinking my race is over. So he tells me to run with my bike while he screams off on the mountain bike. He was a big lad, looked like he was a ginger Santa. There you go. He absolutely destroyed people on the TT bikes, and about 10 minutes later, he returned with the right tube. Never been so happy to see someone. Last one I'll do, Terry, dirty little secret, best ID, Camp Kia Kaha, Challenge Road, great race prep, beautiful location, but most of all, amazing people. And I'll go Tony Hodge, last one, crossing the, crossing the finish line, Ultraman Australia, best three days ever. I kind of said my one last week, it was uh, Andrea Hewitt, her sp firstly her sprint finish, uh, it was at Abu Dhabi I think it was, uh, when she looked like she was gone for all money, took the outside line, came home and just sprinted in by about, uh, I don't know, 20 centimetres, so that was, uh, loved, loved that, but more importantly I loved her speech uh, afterwards mm. because it's the first time she's actually opened up, she's not the best with her sort of post-race finishes but uh, dis uh, talks but this one was just like wowzers did not see that coming and uh, got quite emotional yeah, and it was it, just yeah. it was awesome to see and um, just her season in general and, and, yeah she had a great season wasn't it and you know she's an older athlete you know mm -hmm. she really smashed it out of the park uh, for me it was my wife so we were going to New York this year and we had mm -hmm. to do qualify and Joe had to do a 136 half marathon mm -hmm. and she's she's done 130s in a day but Christchurch was a crappy day so we were feeling yeah. pretty comfortable she was going to get there mm -hmm. and um and then uh, I'm commentating the race, mm -hmm. and I'm commentating this. I'm on the big, you know, on the stage and all the rest of it. And you see down. I only get to see probably the last couple hundred meters of race. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the clock, and it's, she had to get under one thirty-seven. So as long mm -hmm. as she was, and and I'm thinking, where is she? And I'm starting to crack myself a little bit. Yeah. And then she comes around the corner, and it's pouring of rain, and she's got a big smile on her face, and, and I was like, come on, Joe, sprint. And I was just pretty happy. What she did? Uh, she got. Uh, about one thirty-six fifty, I think. Really, it was yeah. that close? Yeah, Bloody hell. Yeah, I think even on the clock time, she was over. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So, but so I wasn't sure. It was, you know, it was one of those moments where are you disappointed or are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> you know. But she got it. But it was just it's always quite special when you see someone you love do something good. Anyway, John, uh, this week's discussion I've actually created one. Oh, have you? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get back to it in, after Christmas. Wait a second. Okay. Let's go. I've said. Uh, this week we want you to share your celebration workout, like a Christmas Day workout. You know, when you have a day where, you know, it's a bit of a different day, it's Christmas Day, you might want to do some training, or it's a party day or something, New Year's Day. Okay. What's the workout that you do? It's, you know what, I do this only once a year. Okay. Some people do stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, we've got an interview coming up with Thorsten, we're going to talk about his Kona impressions, a little bit about Colin's Cup, and just some other stuff as well. Here is Thorsten. Okay, guys, um, we've just been talking off air with Torsten about German uh, politics. German politics. Oh, we love our German politics. We've probably had uh, Bevan's weather update earlier in the in the show, yeah. but we're going to go back and, and relive some uh, some Kona glory from earlier this year with Torsten. So, welcome back to the show, Torsten. Well, thanks for having me again, and I think we have to figure out some way of meeting again, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll be in Rote we'll this year, next so, year so, yep. so we'll be all on. All right. Um, right, so you're, you're in Kona. We didn't. Uh, we caught up with you pre-race talking about predictions and things like that, and then you were holidaying after the race. But look, um, what did you think of, uh, what, what did you, what was your impressions of Kona? And, you know, did it sort of live up to the venue, irrespective of the race, but did, was it what you expected? Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to, to say that because I mean, I've been reading about the event and the location so much before, and it's just felt was cool to actually be in the place, um, to watch all that. Um, the, the thing that stuck with me was basically if you, even for big Ironman races, like, like Frankfurt or road, uh, you have like, maybe things start to heat up on Thursday or Friday before the race, um, probably even, even closer to the race for, for smaller Ironman, whereas in Kona, basically the week out, um, that's when things start to unravel and there's people everywhere. I mean, all the athletes are pretty much there. Um, the pros are, are there. Uh, you can't walk down Ali Drive without running into people that you know, and it's just a crazy um, triathlon geek heaven, I guess, <laughs> for for much of the full week uh, before that. And all the events that are occurring there, it's just, um, yeah, it's been a ton of fun for me. But I guess a bit of a triathlon overload for my wife. <laughs> so um, when Bevan and I are there, we're running around doing interviews all over the show. Um, you're kind of in a slightly different um, boat. So what what did you actually spend your week doing? Well, I mean, I, I started uh, with the 10K uh, Path charity run, basically to experience running on on Ali Drive for myself and trying to figure out how, what it what it feels like in the race. I mean. The run, it was just 10K on Ali. It was early in the morning, but even so, it was um, interesting to uh, at least, you know, feel for what athletes must uh, run in in the middle of the day uh, after having gone through the through all the bike ride and so on. So that that was interesting as as an experiencing of, of Hawaii. But I mean, all the events that are going on there, sponsors event. I, I did the Wits Up breakfast. That was pretty nice. Uh, I went to the press conferences. I did breakfast with Bob and it was just like running into all kinds of, of uh, people and, you know, just just enjoying all the triathlon atmosphere that was out there. That was uh really fun for me was there anything that was kind of maybe slightly different or significantly different than what you had expected going into it yeah well i mean 
most of it was just i mean just the race venue itself i mean of course that's that's what everything evolves around but there's so much going on on the island other than just you know the queen k or, or ali drive that i don't know how much uh, regular tourists or regular triathletes are, are going to see that um but the week afterward was just uh, very interesting as well not doing anything triathlon related but just you know being a tourist and looking at the island and what's going on there um that that's I mean, it was just a, a big contrast to, to race week. And for race day, I mean, everything is very, very close together. I mean, it's not like Frankfurt where you have the split transition and you need to figure out how to get out to the swim start and then get back into town and um, figuring out where the, where the finish line is and so on. Everything is so close together. But on, on race day, it's just total chaos. And even if things are close together, it's really hard to get from, from point A to point B, even if you know where everything is. You have to figure out where you can cross the the courses and where there's there's passageways and so on and which which uh, area is open and which is closed and even with the press pass it was really hard to to get around town on race day. Mm. So um, in, in terms of the race, we obviously know the the winners and some of the spectacular performances. You know from Patrick Langer with his, his amazing run and Daniela Reef just uh, smashing everybody to smithereens. Um, but obviously we, we, we often just focus on the top three because that's where the, the coverage is very much centered. But, you know, according to your stats, you know, who were the people that really um, made big gains, you know, in terms of what they were predicted to go versus what they actually did uh, within the race? Well, I mean, that's just one of those typical things. If you want to do well in Kona, you pretty much need to have an exceptional day uh, for yourself, even if you're an established athlete. Like, like you know, take take Sebi, for example. I mean, Sebi, just going by the numbers, was probably going faster than expected, but he was in fourth place, and that was pretty much a disappointment for him, and um, pretty much that your, your season gets judged on whether you can make it onto the podium. Uh, in Kona and on the day that it matters and everything else is a disappointment then even if the rest of the season has been going uh, pretty well but um, yeah look just looking at how how fast everyone was going compared to what I expected them um, if you go through the mail list I mean everyone pretty much in the top 10 or top 15 maybe yeah, top 18 was was pretty much either uh, close to what I expected or significantly faster, even among the top 10 and on the podium, especially. I mean, Lionel was was much faster than I expected him. Uh, David McNamee was a good deal faster than I expected him. Even Patrick Langer went, went faster than, than expected. And that's pretty much what you need if you want to place well in Kona. And similar for the, for the females. I mean, Daniela, of course, everyone expected her to do well. Um, she w- she did uh, a, a good race and was quicker than expected, but Lucy Charles was much quicker. Uh, Sarah Crowley was much quicker. And if you go down through the list, I mean, even 10, 12, 13, 14, all of them went went uh, pretty much quicker than expected. And uh, all the red n- names in the my results list are at, towards the back of the field and all the green ones beating their expected times are towards the front of the race. And that's just what you need. I mean, you can't place well in Kona if you don't have a good day, um, the competition is just so strong that, um, yeah, unless you have a good day and you beat pretty much your expected times, then, uh, well, you're you're not placing well. Um, maybe Daniela, if she goes a little bit slower than expected, she's still winning or still on the podium. But for everyone else, um, yeah, just look at what, what happened to Frodo this year. Um, mm. Yeah, he, he didn't have a good race, um, but um, pretty much... Um, 
five minutes after after he run, ran into issues, um, any hopes of him defending the title or placing well were pretty much gone. Whereas in in other races, uh, maybe he'd have had some more time to, um, you know, recover from the problems he was having and still be in a somewhat competitive uh, position at that point. But yeah, in Kona, you, know, you end up, you know, you go half an hour slower than expected and you end up in 25th, I think he was, or 35th. In, in terms of actual numbers, I don't know if you've got them in front of you. Uh, is there any one or two people that actually had the big, who were fastest um, by the most amount? I'd, I'd imagine yeah, potentially yeah, Lucy, Lu, Lucy Charles. Yeah, faster than predicted. Oh, okay, yeah. So was she twenty minutes quicker than predicted? Or you know, I'd imagine um, Patrick Langer was probably reasonably well quicker, but not perhaps to the same uh, degree that someone like Lucy Charles was. Yeah, Lucy was 25 minutes quicker than wow. I expected her. Um, Sarah Crowley was even 27 minutes quicker than than expected. Uh, Daniela was just just five or six minutes, I think, quicker. Um, Patrick wasn't that much quicker because, I mean, basically he hasn't had a bad Ironman quite yet. Mm. Um, all his results are pretty much impressive and fast runs too. So he was just, I think, nine minutes quicker. Uh, the one that had the best relative performance is, uh, well, I mean, probably going to get some fire for that because it's Lionel Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the tricky thing was Lionel is um, his results before uh, Kona this year were either really, really good, like like his uh, fantastic time in, in Arizona when he won a couple of years, um, or relatively slow. I think he had some issues uh, during other races, um, maybe didn't run all out when he did uh, Tremblant a couple of years ago. So, I mean, with, with Lionel, it was always, um, well, you had basically two different athletes and you never know which athlete you'd get. And obviously in Kona this year, you got the really, really fast one. And that's why he was so much quicker than, than I expected him because the prediction was based on an average and you don't get average with Lionel, I guess. So how, how, with your predictive um, stats, you know, how long will it take for Lionel's times to sort of come in? You know, he, he's been really consistent, say, I'd imagine in the last four or five Ironmans that he's done, because I know he had uh, the North American record time that he did in uh, Arizona, and uh, and he's had a number of other fast finishes. So how long yeah, will but it take you, for that to average out for you? Yeah, if you just look back, I mean, just one year ago, Lionel had what he considers a really bad Kona race, um, mm. where I think he walked most of the marathon, and obviously that is uh, obviously Im- impacting also his, pr- his predictions for this year's uh, Kona race. But other than that, if he continues to perform at the level that he's at, I think he just needs two or three more really good results, because then uh, one, the the older races will kind of lose uh, weight in, in the way I predict the um the way i make my predictions and also um it'll be more obvious that uh the slower results that he still has in his in his results are the aberrations and not the fast ones and um so i i don't think lionel would need too many more good results probably two or three more good results and then uh he should really be able to climb the rankings in my pipe on my end so go back to Patrick Lang. Ling, um, with regards to his kind of Ironman journey to this point, you know, how many has he done? What kind of performances outside of Kona has he got? And how fast is he running? Because he obviously knows how to smoke a run in Kona. So if we look at what's happening in his Ironman races outside of Kona, what kind of athlete is he there? Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen too much of his Ironman career quite yet. Um, he's done, well, I always say like like after Hawaii, it's like three and a half Ironman races that he did. Uh, the first one that he did qualifying for Kona last year 
was his win at Ironman Texas. And that was when Texas was this shortened bike ride and it wasn't really a full Ironman distance quite yet. Um, so that was the first one that he did before Kona last year. Um, well, he, he did a 240 run there, uh, but you never knew how much that was really worth because with a shortened bike, you don't know how that impacts uh, the abilities to run really fast. But even that was um, a typical uh, Patrick result. I mean, he was behind uh, on the bike. Um, uh, I, th- I think Starkey went, went off the front at that point uh, in, in that race. And then he just basically had the best run of those that, um, were in the chase group and he was just running through the field and won quite comfortably. Then he had the run record in Kona last year. And I think earlier this year he had an injury that kept him from doing decent run training. So the other Ironman that he did this year, that was Germany. Uh, he only ran a two fifty. <laughs> um, Jesus, I, I wish I would be able to do that with, with hardly the run training that, that he was probably able to do. Um, he ran a 250 again, a somewhat shortened bike ride, but not quite as uh, impactful as Texas. And then he once again ran a 239.59 in in Kona this year. Um, so all the races that he did was very very good uh, um, um, run uh, legs. Um, if he does make an impact on the final results, he always runs through the field. But I guess everyone was surprised that he was able to make such a big difference um, in Kona this year. Um, I think he was. 12 minutes after behind uh, in T2. Um, and also there was a ton of really good athletes uh, in front of him coming off the bike. Um, you know, even if you leave uh, Lionel aside, uh, Sebi was a couple of minutes in front of him. Frodo was a couple of minutes and, and a number of others as well. So him seeing him run through the field and in such a demanding and controlled fashion, I mean, the, the guy knows how to run an Ironman marathon. He runs pretty evenly. And in the second half of the run, uh, there's no one that's that's able to match his speed and to match his um, his form as well. It was just impressive to see how how much control he was able to show uh, in the first half of the run, and then still be able to, you know, keep keep the pace that he was running in the first half for the second half. I mean, he's just got it got it nailed down there. I know Dave, David McNamee was saying he was running with him for part of the first half, and he's just an even paced runner. He just you know, most age groupers and pros, you know, there's a slowdown to some degree in the second half, but he just holds it together. How much? Pretty impressive, isn't oh, it? It's very impressive. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, Patrick McNamee, he he put posted the the second fastest run split. Uh, he was running with him, I, I guess, the first two or three miles, and then uh, if you if you look at the data, and I'm just working on on visualizing that still for for the next post that I want to do on dry rating is is how slowly. Patrick moved away from from David McNamee. I mean, um, it was not like he was putting down the hammer and just ran away from him. It was just like a couple seconds per mile quicker, and then the gap was 10 seconds, and it was 15 seconds, and it was 20 seconds, and and it just continued to expand the gap. And all of a sudden, it was two or three or four or five four or five minutes, and then Patrick was was running through uh, the uh, the leaders on on the run course. It was just impressive to see the um, control and the um, focus that he was able to show there. Really good run, yeah. Um, and in terms I mean, of, in, in still ger- a long course holder. In terms of the coverage in Germany for him, you know, obviously the triathlon world, I'd imagine, is going crazy. Is he getting the same sort of coverage that, say, Frodo does? Or, Frodo was um, Sportsman of the Year, didn't he? Yeah, and, yeah. and Keenlay when he won it. Is he getting uh, still getting a lot of coverage over there in general media? Oh, he is. 
He is. And we had Sportsman of the Year uh, elections or, or uh, voting for it just last evening, I think. And he got second place after one of the uh, Nordic combined uh, ski races that won a couple of world titles. Um, so he's getting a lot of attention. I mean, you can't quite compare him to Frodo yet because Frodo already had this this a big lead up of public knowledge of him when Frodo won the Olympics. And basically everyone knew who he was when he stepped up uh, in Kona and what, when he wanted a title again, everyone knew who, who uh, Frodo was and uh, that got extra notoriety for him. But um, he's not far off, uh, Patrick. So uh, if he, he's able to defend his title next year, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's he's one of the really strong contenders again. So in terms of your stats, you know, you've talked a lot about um, the athletes in general and the top 15 being a lot quicker. Was there anything else that, that jumped, out, jumped out of your stats this year that was um, significantly different? Was it just cycling across the board that was quicker or swimming or, or, or anything else that jumped out this year? Yeah, I'm, well, on, on the men's side, obviously, uh, we've had this really, really fast uh, bike times and I'm and I'm still not quite figure out if how that impacted the race i mean obviously if you look at uh lionel sebi and um the uh cameron wurf uh going off the front obviously that changed the race dynamics uh completely and it might have added um to frodo uh running into problems and a number of other people also not running too well um but yeah for example what what could Sebi have done differently? And I, I don't think there's too much he could have done differently. Obviously, once um, um, Cam Wurf went off the front, um, Sebi was happy to go with him and try to uh, put some pressure onto Frodo, and it seemed to work. But there were just so many other really strong runners this year that it just didn't quite work out for him. I mean, Pretty much in T2, it looked like, yeah, this this could be Sebi's race and his strategy seems to have worked well. Um, but then he wasn't quite able to uh, run what he would have needed to, um, you know, get, catch uh, Lionel and um, be in a better position for, towards the end. I mean, I don't think he had um, Patrick in his mind at that point. Uh, he was 10 minutes behind, probably. Um, yeah, if... if um, Sebi would have managed to run well, then um, I, I think it could have been uh, his his race to win this year. Um, so that was obviously an interesting uh, change in the race dynamics that um, for a long, long time, we've ha always had the scenario that um, the races decided on the the run, uh, which, which again happened this year, but the dynamic or the pressure on the runners was much stronger than it was in, in previous years. Um, you just had maybe one or two guys off the front and then five minutes gap and then uh, a big group with uh, a couple of strong runners and usually the best runner of that second group would be able to win the race. The distances were to the front were much bigger and we didn't have this big group that just came in um, you know, like five leftovers uh, that uh, just, you know, uh, paced pretty well. I mean, th th that was the scenario when when um, Pete Jacobs won or when, when uh, Crowey won the races. They were just uh, basically two or three minutes off the front in somewhat larger group. And then they just ran through the field because they had the best run legs of, of that group. Um, yeah, different slightly different dynamics this year and i wonder what what consequences uh, sebi will will take from that how he will figure out uh, a plan for the next years 
It's interesting when um, you look at CB last year because last year with CB, he chose not to really use the bike as a weapon. He kind of sat in, didn't he? And ultimately, that meant that he didn't really have the ability to run. You know, it, well, you know, he wasn't. He was never going to beat Frodo in a run, was he? And and so obviously, he went back to the bike strategy and just wasn't able to pull off the run this year. Yeah, I think last year he just didn't have anyone who was willing to work with him on the bike, and I, I guess he realized that he can't, um, you know, break up that group if he's just the only one uh, pushing the pace. Mm. But this year he had um, uh, Lionel with him, he had Cam Worf with him, and that was pretty much, I guess, was, I mean, the scenario that he would have wanted to. Uh, there's two or three guys pushing the pace off the front, making it hard for everyone else, and I mean, the, the whole group there... Uh, pretty much uh, uh, disintegrated at, at that point when when um, Cam put up the big surge after the turnaround in Javi. Uh, that must have been the scenario that Sebi had in mind when he would have envisioned how the race can, could pan out well for him. And he had help at the front. I don't think it was a conscious decision to hold back last year, but that um, it just wasn't uh, a workable scenario for him to put in a, a hard half-hour effort uh, that still wouldn't have been able to to break up the group at that point. So we don't want to bum, bum people interesting out. interesting for... for <laughs> we don't want to bum, bum people out, but um, I'm, I'm keen to know who were the slowest three male and female pros this year and, and maybe just give us an idea of their times because often we don't see them. They're often mixed up in the, the age group results. But who, who were our three slowest uh, males and females this year on the pro side? Well, this year, going from the back, the last... Um, pro male finisher was uh, Kaido Tohara from Japan. Um, he had, I think, uh, uh, broke both of his collarbones like six weeks oh. apart. <laughs> pretty close before Kona. And I mean, he made it pretty clear that he wasn't in Kona to uh, race the race, but just to finish. And I mean, going going through his day, he had the slowest swim, a 119. I guess the slowest bike is 616 for a pro and a 442 run, finishing in 1230. Um, yeah, that was probably a very controlled uh, effort uh, from from him at that point um, I think the the second uh, broken collarbone was like five or six weeks before Kona so uh, just a huge effort for him to make it at all um, and then you had uh, Markus Fachbach who did a 1015 um, pretty okay uh, swim and bike wasn't too far behind but then had a 420 run and Patrick Evo who finished 938. Uh, also with a four-hour run, um, but but then you're already in the 930, uh, 9.15 territory where there's a, a bunch of people that just didn't have the good day that they were looking for um, without, you know, really being too far off the pace there. Mm. And I mean, 9.30 or Patrick Evo in 9.38 uh, is only good enough for 39th place in the male pro field. Uh, I guess that would win a lot of the age groups out there. Yeah. And in terms of the females? And the females, I guess, oh, well, you had Katarina Grohmann, who did a 10.19, Alexander Tundur, 10.04, and Lauren Brandon, who finished in just under 10 hours, 9.56. Uh, Lauren, obviously a big factor on both on the yeah. swim and the bike. And then she had, she was struggling really hard on the run, uh, 4.03, uh, had some stomach issues and was just happy to complete the race. But, I mean, going sub 10, 9.56, um, 26 female, that's... Uh, not too bad either, I guess. Yeah. Just, just um, we got a question from uh, Swanee Noah, Richard Swan, asking me what's to know the slowest pro time and the slowest individual swim bike runs. But we were just kind of wondering if you figured out the slowest female and male pro times ever in Kona. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the my data doesn't go back that far. And I guess before 2005, there were some some uh, really slow pro times, especially since the pro fields were quite large uh, at that point. But from the data that I, I have... I, I race as a pro, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's not the one, is he? No. So what what time did you do, John? Oh, 9.30 or something like that. I had a, a meltdown on the... Uh, Pretty early on the race, actually. <laughs> Got a little carried away. Don't worry about me. What, what are your sets telling well, the, us? The slowest one that I could find was uh, another Japanese athlete, uh, sorry, Shigenobu Igigata, who did a 14.30, wow, <laughs> including really? an, an 8.17 run. So I don't know what that what was going on there. There must have been some issue uh, with him because he, he swam under an hour. He did a 5.11 bike and then had an 8-hour Run. Um, he had a usually, I like that jump. data. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, and that was 2009. And the slowest female I could find was a 13:45 by Catherine Bertin in 2006. Um, she must have had some some issues on the bike with a 6:48 bike ride and then a 5:30 run. I guess she was just um, you know taking things easy at that point. But um, most of these slower results are. Um, you know, stuff like Meredith Kessler, where um, she was having a decent day. And once that didn't quite work out on the run, she was just walking it in or jogging it in at that point. Meredith is up there at 12.26. So, uh, yeah, about an hour faster than what Catherine did. Mm, nice. Okay, I know we have Those really... were the ones from, from my database, at least. <laughs> I know we haven't really discussed uh, some of the female stuff from Kona this year, but I want to move on to the Collins Cup, which hopefully is going to be happening next year. So remind us how, you know, how your rankings work for this, because it's your rankings that are going to determine the um, selections for it. So just tell us a, a bit about how the rankings work for this, because it is a combination of sort of half and full distance times, as far as I remember. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not my rankings. It's just that I supply a bunch of the data behind it and some of the calculations behind it. But we had a long, long discussion of what elements uh, we wanted to include uh, in the rankings and how the some of the details are are working. So it's um, I run the numbers, but it's it's the PTO uh, ranking, and a lot of the PTO people that are involved in there had their input and offered some suggestions. So um, lots of benefit uh, from from that end as well. Um, the way it works is basically uh, we um, use uh, the times that athletes finish, and we convert that to uh, a points. Um, ideally, uh, a, a, the best result that we consider would be something like Kona winning time or at least Kona podium times. That would be equivalent of 100 points. And 15% um, slower than that would be zero points. So anything more slower, even slower than more than 50% after that gets gets also zero points. Um, and any times in between is on a sliding scale between 100 and zero. And if you're going faster than the ideal Kona time, you may, maybe there's a, a couple of races where you can even get more than 100 points. Mm -hmm. And that basically works um, both for uh, full distance races on the Ironman distance and for the 70.3 or half distance. Uh, we even do something like that for the in-between distances like the uh, ITU uh, long distance champs. That's another race that counted. And basically, we try to include as many races as possible that do have um, a pro category and some decent uh, price money. So we had like Emberman in there, um, even if the bike times were really slow there um, with the challenging bike course uh, and a bunch of independent um, 
half distance races as well. Uh, obviously, all of the challenge and um, um, WTC Ironman and 70.3 distance races. Um, so that what I described was one race. Um, so you get points for uh, based on the time that you finish. And then basically your best four uh, results uh, within the last 12 months count towards your total. And that's uh, the total that we end up with. And so, and so what are the teams looking like at the end of the year this season? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's always been a lot of discussion how dominating Europe has been. And I guess that's pretty evident uh, on the female side. Uh, for for now, the, the top ranks are almost evenly split between Europe and international. And the first American is coming in at, at 10th place. So mm-hmm. Europe would have Daniel Ruiz, uh, Kaiser Sali, um, Lucy Charles and Rachel Joyce at this point. Um, so the top four would come from from the points and then five and six would be captain's picks. Internationals would have Sarah Crowley, Carrie Lester, Mel Hauschild, and yeah, well, I mean, there's a bunch of uh, internationals that have a star and maternity leave attached to them. So for now, the fourth one would be Annabelle Luxford, but Liz Blatchford are up there, is up there, Myrna Caffrey is up there, so if she gets back into the racing, uh, that might be uh, interesting ones. And for the US, we have Heather Jackson, uh, Liz Lyles, Jocelyn McCauley, and then pretty close between Lindsay Corbin and Sarah Piano is like half a point uh, behind uh, Lindsay. So that that's really close racing, and there's going to be a bit more racing before the, the slots are decided. Um, on the male side, um, the internationals would have, or so Lionel is number one, so the internationals would include him, uh, James Kunama, Terenza Bozzoni, and Brent McMahon at this point. Uh, Europe would have Sebi, Patrick Lange, um, Tim Don, and who's the worst? Bart Arnutz. Um, the interesting one is that um, Frodo yeah. <laughs> kind of fell back after his bad result in Kona. He basically just has three good results in the last uh, year or so because he's not racing very much. And obviously then one bad result mm-hmm. um, just hurts him even more than, than that one. So he dropped back to like 35th or something. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be one of the But picks, obviously I'm sure. I'm, he, he'd, be, he'd be one of those if he's interested uh, that would, would kind of get an automatic yeah. uh, pick from, from the captain's side, I guess. And the Americans uh, currently would have Ben Hoffman, uh, Tim O'Donnell, uh, Andy Potts, and where's the fourth one? Kevin Collington at this point. Also pretty close between him and Matt Hansen uh, in fifth place. Also just, yeah, yeah, a little bit o- over a point. So, I mean, it's it's getting really close uh, towards the, the between four and five, uh, also between the Europe in the Europeans and, and internationals, of course. Um, but that would be the the points uh, picks at this point, and then captains would add two males and two females. And when's the actual date when teams would be selected? I'm not sure if that's decided yet. Um, my impression was that it would be relatively early uh, in the year. We'd still want to include uh, most of the Southern Hemisphere summer races, um, but then have a cut of April, May, somewhere in that area. Um, so athletes can have some time in actually preparing for the Rode, uh Collins Cup, which is July 1st, I think. Yeah, something like that. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, uh, anything else um, about tri-, tri rating you want to update us on? Because we're going to go off and do our Legends of Triathlon <laughs> podcast in a second. But any anything happening on tri rating that you want to get out there so we know people come and check in with you? 
Yeah, there's a couple of ideas that I'm still uh, d debating with within myself of what I want to have time for uh, early on in next year. I mean, there's some stuff coming on in work that might take some time for me, but I've got some ideas for some interesting projects. I already did the race analysis of the female race in Kona. The male race is still in the hopper. And then I've got other ideas like my trade writing report for the whole year is in the works. Uh, so if people have not subscribed yet, they should go to... Um, to trywriting.com, check out the post that I have there. And if they haven't, um, put in their email address so I can notify them when the report comes out. And there's a couple of other ideas that I'm still debating with uh, with myself how much time that'll take and if I have that time available for now. Um, yeah, obviously, when the Ironman racing picks up again, uh, I'll have the predictions, seedings, and race result analysis, and then hopefully some more on Kona qualifying and the KPR and the Collins Cup. And so, I mean, at this point, I still have more ideas than than time, I guess. And that's that's a good thing. <laughs> that's good. Awesome. Now, we love the contribution you make to um, the triathlon community, and we use a lot of it on the show. So hopefully you guys are going in there and uh, kicking the tin a little bit for Torsten and uh, get him to other races so he can keep on doing this. So thanks, as always, for your time, Torsten. We'll see you in road. Thanks, looking forward to it. Your thoughts, John? Oh, I love Torsten's stats. are always fantastic. So, guys, make sure you get on to tryrating.com because um, he puts in a huge amount of uh, effort. He's passionate about it and probably gets very little financial reward for it. But if you know, a few bucks here and there can uh, help him go and do more races, that would be fantastic. Mm, good times uh, John sponsor I'll tell you what Bevan um, I'm going away on holiday in about one hour's time hour and a half's time and uh, the old email and text has been going hot people wanting their extreme endurance for Christmas time uh, we talked about it last week great gift if we want to go and that is uh, a good idea isn't it give it give it to someone especially some of the products they might not use I've got you know the, the products that I really like is the Fuel 5 and the Fuel 5 Plus just for a, a different sports drink and one of them's got the caffeine in it or if you know somebody hasn't actually tried extreme endurance get on there and give that a crack as well and especially you guys that are sort of starting to have to suffer through winter the immune is a fantastic um, multivitamin that I love and I know that a lot of people do love it as well because I get lots of orders of it and uh, just keep yourself nice and healthy all the way through winter. So check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK20 for a 20% discount and uh, go go give some gifts yeah. and support our sponsor at the same time. Yeah, they've been a big supporter of the show. Um, okay, John, xendurance.com is the place to go. Discount code, what was it? I am talk twenty, and okay. that is good for the dot com. It's good for the dot co dot uk, and I think there's a dot eu. Um, so if you got any troubles with the promo code, don't email us. Email them <laughs> because it's their promo code and their business. Um, but it, uh, I am talk twenty is good to go. We're not customer service. We're the advertiser. <laughs> exactly. Okay, John Wanger of the week. Oh, Bevan, I haven't done my, haven't got my wanger out yet. Oh, okay, get your, get your wanger out, mate. Oh, jeepers creepers. <laughs> uh, what's 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 our number going to be this week? I'm going to say four. Four. Unless it's one we've done too much recently. Number four. <laughs> number four. Oh, past the shameless cream. Slippery. Slippery. Oh, slippery is it? Slippery. The okay. most swim time. So hopefully we've had some people upping their game here. Melissa Uri taking it out. Three yeah. swims, five hours, twenty-four minutes. <laughs> 
Nice work. Craig McMillan, it's the Aussie domination today. Yep. Uh, not McMillan, Craig Millman. Millman. Uh, with five hours and two minutes for five swims. And Joe Coombe, four hours, 17, six swims in third place. And then if we look at men, we've got Craig Millman and we've got Tim Carpenter from Australia as well. And Mark Tomlinson. And then in the girls, Mar- Melissa Uri, uh, Joe Coombe again. Uh, and Jenna Carr Seafried. Nice I think she's work. a new one. I don't know, I've never seen her name before. Well done. Well done, Jenna Carr. Excellent stuff. Good work. Okay, so you'll be a winger Peter a week. Mills, the epic camper, had the highest speed on the bike, 92.9 kilometres per hour. Oh, my jeepers creepers. Excellent. Jeepers creepers. And good old Kay McBride did a 12-minute 12, 12 session. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, John, you want to do a short review of the year? Oh, very, very short. Very um, short because I've got to get going. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was padding for content. So, yeah, just on the iron, when I was thinking about this yesterday, Ironman side of things, I reckon that it just feels like, and maybe Torsten can tell us if there is actually a changing of the guard, but certainly on the female side of things, we've still got Daniela Reef up there. And it'll be just, interesting to watch Joycey next year. Mm, and a lot of the, yeah, basically the pregnancy brigade, whether they're going to come back or not. A pregnancy and, brigade. <laughs> whether or not uh, they've got the same fire um, to keep going or not. You know, you've got just the names we often talked about going into Coney. You talk about Joycey, you talk about Jodie Swallow. Um, Rini. Mary Beth Ellis, Rini, all those ones all disappeared. So it seems like whilst Reef is still dominating, there's a lot of uh, new names. A lot of them were there the year before, but just seem, feels like there's a changing of the guard on the, the female side of things. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a good year. Lots more more seems again fast Ironmans in the last few years the runs got faster the runs got fa- you know because for the longest time we always talked about why aren't they beating Mark and Dave you know mm. and in the last couple of years particularly in the men but the females got faster the females had that faster lift Cr- in their Chrissy speed period. yeah that kind of lifted the females game whereas in the men's racing which you know we are consistently seeing a below 240s now and lots of sub 8 hour Ironmans yeah yeah, big time. Like a few years ago, there was was, it was a occasionally thing. get one in Rote and maybe Austria. Yeah, few and far between. So just that, those are just my general thoughts around um, Ironman. I think obviously a lot of us know that um, the sport is waning slightly in the traditional markets. But then if you look at other parts of the world where maybe a lot of you guys don't race in Asia and other parts, it's uh, it's booming so that's fantastic um for me personally going over to rote was an awesome part of the year i had a good race but also a camp and the coverage i think we yeah, did was was, awesome. was cool to you know we do our kona coverage which we know everybody loves but just good to go to a different event and we got lots of really positive feedback um that people loved being inside the camp and hearing from the athletes mm. uh, again we'll be back in kona next year it's a big year for us next year isn't it oh, i tell you i'm not going to be popular <laughs> next year because i got a kona in may Come back for a few weeks, go to Rote, come back, and then we're going to do Germany in October. So Germany mean Hawaii? I mean Hawaii in October. Yep. So uh, no racing on the horizon for me. The next thing I'm really targeting is Epic France 2019, which seems a long way off, but that's a kind of like kind of having big projects to, to work towards. So it's not going to be necessarily racing, just getting as fit as I can for that camp and seeing how fast I can go up and down the parallel. I, 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 I'm going to make a prediction now, John. Mm-hmm. I guarantee in 2019 you're going to be doing some kind of race. No, I think 2020, I was going to do the double, so this is probably the first time I've said it. Here we go. Not doing the Embra, the double, we're doing the Embra Man Camp. I think I'll probably do that the next year, 2020. No, but I guarantee once you get off your camp front, you're going to have him fit, and you're going to go, oh, maybe this is a race three weeks from now that maybe I could we'll just... We'll see. I'll have a bit of talk to Belinda. 
We'll see. As I said earlier in the show, poor year for us with Legends of Triathlon. So that's been very disappointing. But uh, got high hopes of getting that back in uh, back in the swing, and we finished the year on a high point. Uh, for me, next year, New York Marathon, New baby. Marathon. Yeah, and and I'm not quite sure what I want the experience to be. What I'm going to do is get myself strong and fit. Mm-hmm. Base run fit probably about for June. Mm-hmm. I'm not running that much at all right now, but that's okay because it's the plan. And then uh, give it a crack. You and Phil, the Phil and Ada, Phil Patterson can train together and get yourselves. I'm not too concerned about that. Like, I'm not going to treat it like I'm trying to have a fast race. Mm. I just want to have a good race. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go in for goal time. Although I'd be disappointed if I went over three hours, but yeah. um, which I should be fine with. But um, I want to I want to train well. You know, yeah. I want to have the athletic experience for about a good four months of my life. So I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it all up. Athlete. Um, okay, John, just a quick question and answer. Tom Bland sent me through an email saying, uh, now I know it's, it's a slow news period at the moment. So when you report on the Rotorua half this weekend or this episode, which we didn't even report on. Well, I was going to mention it, but I saw this coming up. Well, well, Tom Bland took out the quarter by seven minutes. Uh, did he really? Two, two, two hours twelve, and uh, against two hours nineteen, crushed it. Smash it! Very prestigious event. He's informed me. Yeah. So it's basically a half Ironman we've got in New Zealand. There's 357 who won finishes. It? Simon Cochran, who's a Kiwi fella, took it out in four uh, eleven. And by the girls? Seventeen minute victory. That's a it's a domination and a half. For half, yeah. Yeah. So I suppose we've got to go 10 minutes and a half, haven't we? Yeah. If we do the... Uh, it's a 20 minute and a full. And on the girls' side of things, got to give some love to Jessica Dean, who took it out by less than a minute, 55 seconds over yeah. Olivia Ritchie. But more importantly, Tom Bland, have you heard of this guy? He's a rock star. A phenomenal result. He actually went down from the half because he's a bit sick. Right. And he still wins by seven minutes at this very prestigious event. Yeah. Yeah, because he's told me that. The bigger event, though, was the Christmas Cracker. Oh, back it up. We'll we'll hold off on that one, John. Hold off. Hold off. Hold off. Let's talk about some patrons. We have got Craig. Oh, we've talked Craig before, who was... um was, oh, Melman, uh, he got the, got the, 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 the slippery. Of the week. Slippery of the week. Second place. And first in the means. Melman, uh, out of the park. <laughs> Smacked that out of the he park. He did smack that swimming out of the park this week. Greg Penner, BFG, because Greg is a big friendly giant. Nice. And he was also one of our interviewees from Kona, one of the age groupers that headed, headed over there. And Daniel Flannery, the Feet of Flames. Feet of Flames, that's a good one as well, because he goes so fast, he creates friction, and then his feet get on fire. We've got one to, one to generate today, Peter Welsh. Now, John, what he's done in the show oh, notes. Oh, this is gold. He's done it, because right now, if you're, not, if you're in America, you may not know about this, although nowadays they, they might get a bit of the World Darts Championships. On. Have you watched it, John? No, I've not. 180! Uh, yeah. Oh, it is good to watch. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, if you like alcohol <laughs> and you want to go to a party, going to one of these events, I imagine, would be a whole lot of fun because it's basically a party with some darts on it. And it's the last year that Fool the Power Taylor is competing, John. Yeah. He's won it like 16 times. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, but it's a big event. It's a big pommy event, but it's pretty popular over here nowadays. Mm-hmm. But he found a link to skysports.com and it's the What is Your Darts Nickname Generator? So you, you do you want to do one for, for the okay, patron? P- Peter, Peter the Potter Welsh. Peter the Potter Welsh. That actually works really well. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go Bevan James Isles. Bevan Isles. I even get to choose a t-shirt. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea. I think they probably want you to... Um, Bevan Blue Hawaii. <laughs> Isles. And what am I going to be? Okay. 
Bis auf da, wollte ich das zusammen mal Ich habe mit James Ox. Let's play. What am I, what am I? Oh, gives me some <laughs> What is it? Some people are going to think this is pretty apt. John, the Neanderthal Newsome. <laughs> Have you seen this guy's chest? Oh, that's going to stick, isn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> Coach Newsome's out the back door. Yeah, Neanderthal. Yeah, Neanderthal Newsome. You should get that printed off. You should get the T-shirt. Okay, let's let's what happens. How much does it cost you for a T-shirt? Oh, you can put it on social media. There you go. There you go. So, John and, the, and Peter, what is it? Potter. Peter the Potter Welsh. He pots away <laughs> some of the results. Yeah. There you go, Peter. So, if you want to support the show, go to imtalk.me and uh, you can join us in Kona next year if you're the one lucky person. And also just make sure that we keep the show going, supporting us. And if you love what we do, it's like less than a coffee a week. Hell of a lot less than a coffee a week. Or if you want to do a coffee a week, then you get a swim cap and a and a I am talk beanie if you're struggling through winter. Uh, so get involved. Okay, John. Sponsors. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our fantastic patrons. And, our, and just remember, I am talk.me and uh, you can give us a Christmas present. <laughs> okay, John. Uh, what's your goss? Christmas cracker. So Bel- okay. Belinda's already gone up on holiday. So was she there for the Christmas cracker? No, she, she timed that well, Saturday. didn't she? That was the whole idea. Her and Felicity have flown up there, left the coop. I'm at home, slaving away, working away. Oh, poor under you. Immense pressure today, Bevan. Seem like you are. Massive pressure because I've got to leave the house and we're not coming back for a couple of weeks. It's got to be spotless and even then it won't be good enough. And I was discussing this with my father-in-law, Belinda's dad, and he's under the same pressure. Because because the problem is they see a different colour to us. That's what he said. He said, just just make sure you put the rubbish out. Yeah. (laughs) And he said, you're not going to win that one. It's a losing battle. You might as well lose it anyway. It's a lot of pressure though. So Tom's in school this morning. I'll pick him up uh, just after this and then we're out of here for five and a half hours. Oh, so you're not even going home? No. Well, he'll scoot home and then boom. We're out of there. So you, have you got any more cleaning to do? I've got to go home and do the cleaning. Oh. <laughs> oh, it is scary stuff. <sighs> so Christmas Cracker Triathlon at the weekend. Lots of I Am Talk uh, listeners out there Did racing. Did you get a few We saw uh, Rick Laird. He was out there racing one of the old old school nice. I Am Talk I Am Man Talk, was it? Uh, don't know, I think it was an I Am Talk. So one many of those ones out there. Ones. Lots of other listeners <laughs> out there. Good racing. Tyrone took it out by three seconds. Three seconds? Fellow Mark Prutton. You might know Mark. I don't know. Mark he was Prutton. second. And anyway, I saw some pictures of him and he put socks on. I said, what did he put socks on for? He put socks on and in his short course. he lost by three seconds. Oh, there you go. Amateur era. And so What's his name? Time. Mark Prutton. Mark Prutton. How's his last name spelled? P-R-U-T-T-O-N. So it's good times out there. We probably had about 160 people oh, racing. It's, it's a proton. No, no, proton. What was <laughs> it? a good nickname for him. Proton. P-R what? U-T-T-O-N. And we had about 20 little kids in the sort of five to eight-year-old eight space. Is he a co-director at Joyride Apparel? Yes, that'd be it. Okay, we have looked on So it's good times, had by all, and time to go on holiday. I think I do know him, but he's, got, he's always got glasses on. Mm. Oh, and then the, the one he doesn't, he's got all mud on his face. You can't tell him from there. There you go. What's oh, happening yeah. in your world, Bevan? John? Oh, no, sorry. I went to see Star Wars, but we could not talk about that. Oh, we can, talk, we can talk about it without giving spoilers. Mm. What do you think? It was solid, but I still, it's not my favourite of all time. There What's was, your favourite? Uh, Return of the Jedi. But That's because your age. 
Mm. No, because because here's my theory, John. Tuna Giro is probably my favourite as well. Mm. But we're about eight or nine when that came out. Tom came out of this one, and he's uh, about that age. He was a bit disappointed a few, with a few things in there. Oh, oh was he? Mm. Mm. One particular scene that's just everything's obviously not believable in this movie. I'm going to say, may have to do with Princess Leia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like. Really? Yeah, that that was <laughs> that was a bit of a weak. Scene. That was a bit. Even Joe was like, mm. yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. won't talk. But overall, it was a good night out. Good boys' night out. Sounds like it's been a bit of a boys' household since the has. the cats are away. The mice will play. Yes, it's been good times. We went out fish and chips beforehand. <laughs> when, when when you get fish and chips, what do you get? Well. I'm Mr. Piggy. So I, get <laughs> quite, I get quite a bit. What do you go? I I go hot dog, fish, donut. Well, Tom eats. Tom can only have chips because he's gluten free, dairy yep, free, everything's bloody free. Yep. So we went along. We got a scoop of chips, and then I got a hot dog, a fish, and a crab stick for myself. And yep. I didn't really have any chips. Nice. So we're pretty similar because I just go the I go the donut, mm. and you go crab stick. There we go. Do we love fish? I don't have it often, but it does deliver, doesn't it? Oh. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Um, John, I'm just looking forward to Christmas now. What do you do Christmas Day? We the kids, we've got to try to hold the kids off getting their presents too early. Maybe seven o'clock at the best. That would be a, that would be pretty good if we get to seven. And then why do you hold them off? Oh, just, 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 be just day. calm down. You're just everybody's got to calm down a little bit. And then we just basically do presents. Um, go to the beach. Maybe go for a walk. Have a big sort of mid afternoon meal. And then uh, have a little nap. And then go at it again. <laughs> go at it again round yeah. two. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> you do do you uh, do you eat too much on Christmas Day? I eat too much pretty much every day, Bevan. <laughs> it's one of my challenges. When I stop training, I still keep eating the same amount. <laughs> oh, good times. Bevan, what's happening? Oh, I'm really looking forward because I haven't seen my daughter this year. Oh. So the last time I saw my daughter, well, she pretty much took off after her wedding. So mm. now we catch up on Skype and all the rest of it. But she's arriving basically at midnight on Christmas Day or in the morning of you know so I get to see her on Christmas Day so Christmas Day for us is Joe and I wake up together um, then I might try to see my daughter in the morning mm-hmm. but then we have Joe's family mm-hmm. and then my family so it's just all family I love it great I love it but what we are doing because Joe's sister is going to Australia for Christmas with her family so on Friday we're having a, a pre-Christmas Day mm-hmm. and we're playing bowls again John oh, twice in two weeks you'll be an expert now oh mate but Ken Reid the father-in-law he's pretty sharp at bowls so I want to try beating this year oh. one year I got pretty close yeah. and you could tell he got pretty nervous <laughs> and I, there's one bowl I cocked up and it cost me and I, oh, I would have loved to have beaten him so I got that and then down camping John Go and then do a porno in the crew and then, uh, yeah, back into it. So so next week we are doing, uh, explain the next two weeks. Okay, so what I'm doing, we have released Legends on the Legends feed, but I am going to put Legends out with Hunter Kemper on this feed next week. So if you don't listen to Legends this week, it will be on the feed. They'll come out on the Tuesday. And then the week after that, I actually, on the Bevan James Isles show, I released an interview with a guy called, um, what's his name? Oh, uh, wait a second, let me pull this up. The Bevan James, oh wait, Bevan James Isles. Um, dot com. Uh, so he, he wrote a book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. His name is, oh, where is it? I can't wait a second. Give me, talk about something for a second, John. I've got to and we will be back on the, sort of the 8th or 9th of January. I think we're both back there and we're going to, be ripping into a massive year. Okay, so it's Eric Barker, and he's he's got a really he's got a blog that's got like four hundred thousand people on his blog. Mm-hmm. And basically, what Eric did, he was a screenwriter, and he 
kind of moved out of screenwriting, but now what he does is he basically finds research in, around success, and each week he writes an article, a long-form article around scientific research around success. And then he brought, he recently brought out a book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Now, I've read a lot, I, I read or at least consume a lot of books, and um, I really enjoyed this book, and it was a lot of crossover, but there was all some gold nuggets in there, and the thing I liked about this book was he had the science, but he also had the practical application, and to me, that's, you know, it's one mm. thing to read something, but how do I apply it? Um, so I had an interview of him, and it was a really good interview, so I thought, well, Christmas break, I don't like to do a best of, because no one wants to hear best of shows, yep. so I thought, we'll put this interview up, it's a shorter show, it'll be about 50 minutes, so that will be in two weeks from now, and then we'll be back into it around the 9th. Great. Yep, so, game on. Iron Rusts. I, mean, I was going to say have a good happy new years yeah. and Christmas to everyone out there um, love and family and training exactly this is what we say <laughs> John seems Merry Christmas Merry Christmas okay last question John mm. favourite Christmas song um, probably Snoopy's Christmas wait a second okay you, yep okay I think it would be Snoopy's Christmas yeah. Snoopy's Christmas okay mine was probably the Pogues yep you like the Pogues yep yeah okay I should have done this earlier okay let's wrap it up I'm Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.